You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of ST Times. And now, here's Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of ST Times. Hi, everyone. Yes, as you've heard, I'm Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of ST Times. Uh, Today, the topic is um, the shortage of developers, or is there a shortage of developers? Maybe there are other problems. So this will be an interesting conversation today with uh, Jason Langsdorf. He's the Vice President of Developer Experience at Netlify. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Really appreciate it. So um, let's get started uh, right away and just dive into maybe you can tell us a little bit about Netlify and what you guys do. Sure. So Netlify is at the heart of everything, a developer workflow and productivity platform. We are focusing on if uh, if you build a website, there are about three buckets of work, right? You've got your ops, you've got to get it on the internet, make sure that it scales, can stand up to high traffic. You've got the boilerplate. You need to be able to develop locally and, and work with your team and share important environment variables. Uh, and then you've got the actual feature set, what you're trying to build, what you're providing to your customers. Netlify's goal is to eliminate those two buckets so that you can focus on just building features and delivering value. Uh, So we'll handle the CICD, we'll handle the local dev, the collaboration and other workflow aspects. So you can just focus on the stuff that really makes an impact on your company specifically. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. So one of the things that kind of uh, piqued my interest about um, some of the messaging that you've been putting out there is uh, this notion of a developer shortage and your take uh, that it isn't due to a lack of developers, but a lack of support for developers. So maybe you can yes. elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah. So I think you know what what I've heard a lot of companies say is, oh, it's so hard to hire developers. It's so hard to hire developers. Uh, but at the same time, I opened a job rack for an engineer, and we got seven hundred applications. Right. And and there is no shortage of people who want to work in engineering and who are taking the boot camps, who are coming out of college. What I'm finding is that a lot of times what people mean when they say there are no developers is that they're actually saying there are no developers who have been doing this long enough that they've also learned how to be product managers and they've also learned how to be project managers. They've also learned how to be engineering managers. They've also learned how to think about strategy and and all these other things that factor in to a company running well because we've kind of taken to leaning on ultra senior developers as glue that holds the rest of the company together. Well, let's just throw them a problem and they'll go into a hole and fix it and bring it back. And so you're trying to find not engineers, but engineers who don't need any supervision structure or support, right? Now that is a very different problem. Like Is there a shortage of ultra senior engineers? Yeah, of course. There's only so many people who hit that level. And it's getting worse because companies are no longer trying to hire and grow early career engineers. They're only trying to hire at the top of the career ladder. And the challenge that that presents then is all of the companies in the industry are fighting over the same small group of extremely experienced industry engineers. Uh, And we're not growing new ones because we're not hiring them. So I, I would come more from the standpoint of there is no shortage of people who are capable of doing the work, but we need to also invest in the structure and support of providing engineering management, providing product management, providing strategy and guidance and that support that lets somebody who is earlier mid-career really advance and grow. And then you'll find that suddenly you can hire more engineers than you can manage. You'll get unlimited applications and really be in a great position to, to build and grow. That's interesting. So how much of the use do you think is tied to 
the industry's drum beating about the need for speed. If you don't go fast enough, if you can't change, if you can't adapt, you're going to be out of business. I mean, in real, you know, stark terms that they talk about everybody having to go faster. So now we have agile and DevOps and mm-hmm. microservices and ways for developers to kind of do an end around around IT so that they can just get things deployed and delivered faster. And there's a lot of training that would have to go into that, I would think, because developers now are being asked to do way more than just write code. You know, you're you're touching on something that I think is really important, which is is the other side of this problem. So, if companies don't want to invest in support and management and the the structural foundations that allow a company to to grow well, then they're also taking their engineers and they're expanding them to fill those roles. So, I do think you're right that that in saying yeah, go fast and you know minimize the number of people in the room, you're basically saying I don't want engineers, I want an entire company in a box for each person that I hire. And so we're looking for people who have these these immense cross-disciplinary resumes. And those people are great, but you also run into issues where like more than a few of those people, it starts to create challenges because how much growth can you have in a company when everybody's at the top of the career ladder? How many ultra senior engineers can you get before you you don't have anywhere for people to grow and they start looking for their next opportunity part of the the challenge that we're also seeing with the you know the great resignation or the great migration depending on how you're looking at it is that people don't feel like they're growing inside their company and it's very hard when you hire at the top of your pay bands to grow somebody what do you do after 12 months well you pay them cost of living adjustment because you can't afford to pay more um, whereas if you have somebody who's early in their career, you've got years to grow them before you have to start asking those questions. And um, so I think when we're asking, you know, how can you end around IT? How can you how can you do all these other things? We're asking the wrong questions. We're saying, how can I find a person? How can I find human skill that allows me to work around these limitations of our business when instead we could start looking at the structures and what what tools are we giving our teams what guidelines what you know what guardrails exist inside of our company that prevent people from hitting those slowdowns and, and cause people to feel like they need to do four jobs worth of of various skills in order to get something live. Um, and and so this is, I think, why we're seeing such a big proliferation of new dev tooling startups. You you see companies like Netlify, where we're trying to make it so that IT doesn't need to be part of the flow of taking a website live. They do the initial assessment and make sure that things work the way they want. But then Netlify adds a lot of automation so that somebody who's mid-career just pushes to Git and the site goes live and that's all great. Uh, we're seeing other companies that are offering similar things. Algolia is trying to make it so that you can build search without becoming a whole search expert. You have PlanetScale and Supabase and Fauna and all these companies that are putting so much effort, and including some of the ones that that you maybe wouldn't have expected, like Mongo, have put a huge amount of effort into serverless and and very easy database as a service platforms, so that somebody who is a front end engineer who's maybe mid career can go out and spin up a database and do it securely and do it scalably without becoming a DBA. Those are all things that are. Uh, structural solutions to a problem instead of saying i have to find somebody who is both an excellent front end engineer and an infrastructure engineer and a database architect so that all they can do all of those things well it's well no hire a you know hi, instead of hiring people hire tools hire a tool that solves your infrastructure hire a tool that solves your database problem and let your front end engineers be front end engineers 
Right. So doesn't that, though, kind of play into the whole um, tooling explosion that organizations are seeing that they have so many tools that they have to manage and update and secure and all those kinds of things? That's absolutely true. And I think that this is um, this is one of those there's a balance for every company and and where that balance is is going to depend heavily on how your organization is set up. I, I think you know one of the challenges of of trying to replace developers with tooling is that you do need you do need experts. But I think where we're trying to find is the balance between like do we need all experts because our entire company is so complex to run that only experts can do it? Or do we need a few experts to help us find the right tools and to manage those tools well so that the vast majority of the company can be professionals, but not necessarily 20-year seasoned pros? Excellent. Yeah, that makes sense. So why do you think that companies are reluctant to invest in training and grooming younger people and bringing them up and growing them? I think that it gets into a very sticky problem, which is how do you show results of investing in a process that lays the groundwork for something else? It's it's very difficult when you're having to report quarterly numbers to say, well, what we're going to do this time around is we're going to change, we're going to shift our focus toward building a, a healthy management structure and giving manager training and building out the right support systems within our employee resource groups and internal guilds or or uh, lunch and learns and trainings, things that'll help level up early and mid career developers and give them the support they need. That's probably going to cause a downturn in this this quarter's numbers because we're going to be focused on that. But it leads to long-term improvement, and you know it's that go slow to go fast. It's very hard when you have to focus on did we hit our numbers this quarter to justify saying we're we're intentionally going to take a step back from grow 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 to let's lay this right foundation and then we can grow faster for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, you know I know some of the things that you talk about are better training for managers so that they mm-hmm. can you know, keep talent on board and, you know, better tooling as you uh, have described earlier, and even better communication among uh, executives to support these kinds of efforts. And, and yet, you know, we're still hearing that developers are strained and stressed and overworked and aren't meant for security and testing and governance and compliance and all those things. I I think, you know, part of the challenge is that um, the, this is the sort of thing that takes uh, to borrow a phrase from from Danny Meyer, constant gentle pressure, and it's not the sort of thing that you solve in a single sprint. You don't solve it in even a quarter. It's the sort of thing that becomes part of your culture. You have to make a decision as a company that what you're here to do is not wring every last drop of productivity out of your employees. It's to build a healthy and sustainable team of people who will be productive for the their entire careers, right? And I think that the challenge is, is that when you start to feel that strain of we're not shipping fast enough, you then index on hiring really productive people, but then you're already behind. So you put a lot of pressure on them to catch you up. And then they, you know, they can't because they don't have enough support and they fall a little bit behind. They start to burn out. Now you're trying to backfill in addition to hiring anyways. You've lost that domain knowledge. You've lost that 
that sense of ownership over things. So people are just, it becomes a downward spiral. And I think if you, if you start to address it the other way and you say, what we're trying to do here is build people up in a way that lets them run indefinitely. Right. And you start thinking about the, the, you know, the tortoise and the hare analogy or, or any, any sort of, um, kind of go slow to go fast. If you, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, that sort of thing, that, that, that type of, of, um, organizational alignment and that type of organizational support is necessarily a little bit slower than one person sprinting as fast as they can. But the nice thing is, is that just by focusing on organizational uh, velocity instead of individual team or individual developer velocity, you build in resilience in that program. So you will necessarily think of ways to handle what if you're one of one of your developers is on vacation what if one of your developers takes um paternal leave what if your your developers are at a conference right like there are a lot of things that happen that just oh we're missing a developer for 2 weeks if that developer is the only one who knows how a system works because they're the ultra senior developer and you've basically handed them the keys to that area of your business right. you just sit and wait right? Oh, well, we can't work on that product for 12 weeks while they're, they're out on with their new baby. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So you, if you think about it organizationally, then this developer is working with a team of mid-level developers and they're bringing on junior developers and all of them are leveling up all the time. So that when your ultra senior goes out on paternal leave, your, you know, your new senior developer has gotten enough context that they might not be able to move at the same speed, but they can continue making progress. And that builds that additional knowledge and support and ability to scale, which keeps everybody healthy. That Now that ultra senior feels like they're allowed to take vacation. They're able to ignore Slack for a little bit. They can leave their phone off while they go to dinner. All those things that are really, that's, really challenging. Leaving <laughs> their phone off. Whoa, that's uh, that's crazy talk. <laughs> but anyway, no, I get it. And of course, having the tooling, as you said earlier, to support all of this, uh, a lot of automation is involved with these types of things, and what they call removing the the grunt work or the mundane tasks. Right. Uh, you know, to, to help people be more productive as well, for sure. Yeah, and I like to think of it as you know, if you're if you're thoughtful about the tools that you implement. You're not creating this this very complex landscape. You're actually flattening the landscape a little bit because if you if you look at some of the way these dev tools fit together, what we're trying to do at Netlify, for example, is we're we're trying to eliminate a class of work that was really just configuration management. You you no longer need to drop down that level into how the machine works. You just work in the code. When you're done, you push that code to GitHub or GitLab or Bitbucket, and it'll automatically go live for you, whether that's a deploy preview staging environment, it goes into uh, production straight away, or however you decide to manage that process. But it's all automated. Right. And and that doesn't mean that you don't have control. You're still down in the code all the way to the bottom. And if you want to make changes, you can. But it's it's more of a progressive disclosure of complexity. You're not saying, here's here's this bucket of work, you have to do all of it, or here's a black box that does all this work for you. But if you touch it at all, it becomes a bucket of work. This is more like, here's a preset that's going to give you the best results most of the time. If you find yourself in an edge case, you can tweak a few of the knobs and it's going to work better for you, but usually you won't have to, right? And I think that's where we're starting to see dev tools 
uh, really aim right now is is toward that outcome of we don't want to take away your control. We don't want to make you into a, a whole new expert in a new field. We just want to give you the right default so that you can get the best result most of the time. And what we're seeing from that is that a full like a a full stack developer felt like it was a myth in in previous times. But right now, if I take a mid level developer and I teach them uh, how to build the front end really really well, and I teach them a little bit of Node JS. They're a full stack developer in the sense that they can now configure these tools. They can go set up a database using a database as a service platform. They can set up monitoring. They can set up serverless functions. They can set up all of these things that previously would have required multiple teams and huge amounts of knowledge. Now, these services allow them to just wire them together with a little bit of glue code, and it all feels like a very solid, scalable usable system that doesn't require an ultra senior developer to, to manage or maintain. Fantastic. All right. Well, Jason Langsdorf, again, from uh, Vice President of Developer Experience at Netlify. Thanks so much for your time today. Very interesting conversation. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of the same things, uh, you know, talking to a lot of people about uh, just what you're talking about, developer burnout, lack of developer support, too many tools, uh, you know, and, and all these types of things. And uh, you know, hopefully the industry uh, will, uh, you know, get its head around it and, and start solving some of these problems. Thanks I so sure much. I hope so. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Okay, and to all our listeners, once again, I'm Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of SD Times. So long for now.